0: What's up, guys? My name is Matthew.
1: What's up, I'm Christian.
0: And uh, we are Open Race. We're hosting Racing Through Life. Open Race is basically a real time virtual app looking to connect and motivate runners through real time racing, as well as help event organizers increase revenue, reach a larger audience, and provide a more interactive virtual race.
1: And basically, uh, Racing Through Life is trying to connect the actual running industry um, from event organizers to different runners, kind of showing the audience um, how runners live their lives, you know, behind all the running. We talk about their actual personal lives, their accomplishments, and just really uh, digging deep into the running industry here.
0: Yeah, and today we got Tom Bosworth mm-hmm. on. He's an Olympic race walker, yep. placed 6th in the Rio Olympics in 2016, 7th in the Euro Championships um, in 2018. Is one mile speed is five minutes and 30 seconds, which is a world
1: best. It's faster than me running. I can't, I've, I've,
0: last fun. time I checked my mile speed, I was running six minutes and 30 seconds. So this guy can walk faster than I can run. <laughs> yeah. Which is nuts, absolutely nuts. Um, really excited to have him on. He's got a great story. We got lots awesome. of points to hit on. Um, and it's gonna be a good one, guys. Looking forward to it. Awesome, you give it ready? up to Tom.
1: Can you hear me now?
2: Guess yeah. Yeah, there you go.
1: Awesome. What what happened there? What'd you do? What'd you change?
2: <laughs> no, well, I put the AirPods on, like that was the di- that's what I did. So, but my laptop microphone's done this before, so Oh,
0: true. AirPods cool. are definitely the, the saver. <laughs> Seriously. <Yeah. laughs> nice Hi. to meet you. Nice to meet you. My name's Matthew. I'm Christian. And uh yeah, we're coming at you from Toronto, Ontario. Yep. Um, this is our second actually recording for mm-hmm. Racing Through Life. Uh, we got another oh, awesome. later today, um, but you're the second guest, so it's an honor to have you on. W- where are you, uh, coming from? Why don't you just introduce yourself quick to the viewers? Where are you
2: coming from? Um, uh, well, my name is Tom Bosworth and I'm coming from just outside of Liverpool in the UK. Cool.
0: Nice. Liverpool. Awesome. Um, how's the weather there? Cause it's getting a little cold
3: here.
2: Yeah. You know, well, it's getting a little bit cold here, but it's always cold here to be honest so but <laughs> the sun's sun is out it's not raining so that's good. Uh, it's yeah it's certainly um, it's not bad for autumn in the UK
0: that's great awesome that's awesome um, have you always lived in, in Liverpool or just outside of Liverpool
2: no originally I grew up just south of London so right down in the south of the UK and then moved north because <laughs> the people are nicer in the north uh, to, studi- to study um, and to train full-time and over in Leeds, and then I met a Scouser. So uh, I met a Liverpudlian. And so what I learned was Liverpudlians don't really leave Liverpool. It's a bit of a close knit community, I'll put it that way. Awesome.
1: Cool. Wait, what do you study by chance? And where'd you go?
2: Uh, so I studied at, at the time, it was called Leeds Metropolitan University. Cool. Uh, it has changed its name now, but I studied um, like some really random sports science degree to get me through uni.
1: Yeah. Being
2: an athlete. <laughs> Yeah, Um, But I did go on to study at master's level as well in sports, exercise, nutrition, which I hated education. So that was a surprise for me.
1: Really? You didn't like what did you hate it? What did you hate about it? Just what you were studying?
2: Well, I think the only point I started enjoying education was at university and and that level because it was something of interest to me throughout Mm -hmm. school and and all of that. I just couldn't engage at all and uh, just, yeah, just didn't really enjoy it at all.
1: I feel yeah. Yeah, we can relate on that. It's yeah, quite yeah. hard to be honest. We're in uh,
0: our last year of university right yeah. now. We go to University of Waterloo, um, which is just outside of Toronto. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we feel the same way. That's yeah. why we're, we're working on other stuff, trying to keep <laughs> ourselves busy. <laughs> yeah. Um, awesome. So I think we're just gonna hop right into it. Here. Yeah. Um, get the ball rolling. You said you toured half of America with a circuit school. <laughs> um, tell us about that, like. I have no idea. Like I've never really seen, I've been to probably like one or two circuses in my life. Like, yeah. Same. How, but I've seen like movies of like, uh, circus <laughs> schools traveling, like tell us about the experience. Like how'd that how'd, go about? You know, how'd you get, how'd you get involved
1: in that?
2: Well, I mean, I, I don't want to take that image away from you that it's, <laughs> it was really Hollywood and, uh, <laughs> uh it, yeah, it wasn't at all. But <laughs> basically, um, i was 19 i decided to i'd represented great britain as an athlete and that went really badly and that was my debut and then so i thought you know what i want to do something different with my summer and decided to um sign up for like uh to go to summer camps basically um and kind of did i can't remember the name of the agency it was like camp america or something like like that um i then got a email back from this circus school sort of uh company and i was like what's this and they they <laughs> rang me up and, and they explained kind of what they did and they were uh they were a company who uh went it wasn't in one place so that that instantly interested me because i just love seeing new places waking cool. up every day with it in a, in a new in a new place and uh, yeah. uh and went from summer camp to summer camp uh putting on like Uh, We we would teach the kids uh, everything from trapeze to clown to uh, everything you can imagine. Put on a little show, uh, film it, um, make cotton candy, you know, do everything under the sun as a a circus school, basically. And I went in blind. But the reason they got in in contact with me was because I was a trampolining coach. And so a lot of it links up. So I was completely blind to anything circus related. Mm-hmm. but what i quite quickly learned was there's loads of similarities and, and that's why they kind of got in contact with me uh, for that and it was one of the best three four months of my life
0: wow that's awesome where'd you where'd you end up traveling um, um the big cities i guess or like yeah your favorite part. Yeah. it.
2: well it it took us all over i mean it was 11 years ago now so i'm showing my age there oh, a little sure. bit uh, <laughs> we flew i flew to Texas. Yeah. Uh, we went down to Florida. Then we went up. Oh goodness. I think we went to Birmingham, Alabama. Um, we ended up in Maine, Long Island, okay. oh, wow. uh, Delaware, I think we went yep. to. And that's
1: that'd be correct.
2: Um, so yeah, we, we, we Just did all a lot. Along, like,
1: the east coast. <laughs> east coast
0: probably.
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, mostly east coast. Cool. Yeah.
0: Wow. What was your, what was your like favorite part about that?
2: Oh, I don't think I had a favorite part. It was just, as I said, I love, I love seeing the world. So mm. getting to see kind of a lot of America in one go was just brilliant for me and meeting new people. And the, the kids just, they loved it. They, 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 we go, well, apparently the company went to camps quite regularly each year. Yeah. And so the, the kids would be so excited. <laughs> the circus was in town and, and yeah, it was just, just a phenomenal experience.
1: Was this, uh, a couple of questions, was this your first time in visiting America?
2: Uh, I'd been when I was like 10 on, on holiday to visit my aunt, but also down to Texas, um, but that was it.
1: Okay. And then uh, when you're talking about what was kind of like, how long would you stay in one, I guess, state or how did that work? Like, how did that work? Were you guys traveling like quite often or, and how did that affect right. your training as well? I'm assuming you were a trainer or you weren't training.
2: Um, I kind of. I wasn't really training at that point. I kind of had fallen a bit out of love with athletics with track and field. So I um, I kind of taken the summer off.
1: Yeah. Okay, cool. Um,
2: But yeah, we'd be in a state for we'd set up in, in in a morning, Uh, Mm -hmm. kind of the kids would then audition, they'd try out the different acts and stuff, uh, three days, four days of training with them. Uh, last couple of days, put on a few shows for the parents and people. Uh, and then we'll be off, pack up, and go. So a week, a week at most, and then we were somewhere else. We'd drive through the night or, or mm-hmm. over a couple of days, if necessary, to, to the next venue.
0: Wow. Yeah. I mean, that cool. does sound like the movies a lot. Yeah, it
1: does. <laughs> <laughs> like when I when I'm picturing
0: it right now, I'm picturing exactly what I've seen in, <laughs> in movies. <laughs>
2: Great. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I've always thought my life's a bit of a movie. So they... <laughs> it's
0: a good awesome. way to put it. I like that. <laughs> you said prior to um, going to Olympics, you kind of fell out of love and that's why, or sorry, to the, the circus school, you fell out of love with track and field. Um, I want to just back up a bit. How'd you, how'd you get into track and field um, specifically like race walking? Yeah. Um, and when did you kind of know that you were special in that sense? And like, how did <laughs> Not, yeah, like you, your times are unreal, and what you've accomplished. or
1: you're faster than crazy. me sprinting. Like I can't. Like you're walking, and I'm sprinting, and you're like destroying my times. <laughs>
2: uh, I, I would apologize for that, but uh, no, you should not sorry, apologize. That's
1: good on you. You should definitely not apologize for that at all.
2: Um, well, I mean, I, I was never like a, a sporty kid at all. I um, I, I hated like practical lessons at, at school you know PE and things like that it just it just wasn't for me I was never born to be a soccer football player rugby player anything mm-hmm. like that um, and and I did kind of athletics from the age of 11 uh, because my my mum took us down to the local club and and encouraged us to stay fit meet people you know I made a few friends and that's kind of what it was it was a social thing and and a way of keeping fit without the kind of pressures of, of team sport I guess uh, on yeah. my shoulders and so I always had seen sport as something that I'd do a little bit of. Um I obviously did the gymnastics as well and mentioned the trampolining. Um I, and that was kind of what it was, extra, extra curriculum sort of stuff. So as I got a little bit older, I, I just kept it going. Uh you know, race walking is such a bizarre sort of event, you know. Um I didn't when I when I joined the club, I you know, I never heard of it. Uh, yeah. I tried a bit of bit of everything. Uh, and and there happened to be a walks coach at at the club down in the south of England that I was at so I I gave it a go as well and I was pretty pretty bad at everything (laughs) like I wasn't (laughs) fast uh, I wasn't kind of obviously talented but I've always had the build for an endurance athlete and so I just took to it quite well but as I said it just was for fun so as the years ticked by I just kept going training a couple of days a a week and and really just enjoying it and I think that's why I've stayed in the sport as long as I have, anyway? Because for the best part of six, seven years, my first coach just encouraged me to enjoy it uh, and and make the most of it. And he wasn't—he would always find a positive, even if I came last in a local race or whatever. You know, there was, uh, and he always said, "Oh, as you get older, you'll be better at the the longer distances, the international distances, are like twenty k and those sorts of things." And I was like, "I can't even get through three k. How on earth am I going to get twenty <laughs> k?" But as I ended up at uh, 17, 18, uh, I kind of stopped growing. I grew into my body and, and started training a little bit more. And suddenly my time started to drop by by minutes see it every time I'd race. And was starting to see some real breakthroughs and went from kind of coming last to starting being near the front of races. And and then by the time I was 19, made just a junior European competition for Great Britain. Nice. And within 18 months, I'd gone from training maybe twice a week to training 5 6 times a week and and suddenly wow. found myself in a in a GB team which then went it was a complete i was going to say something rude there it was a, <laughs> it was a, a eye opener the 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 race and i performed awfully uh i think just it all got to me like yeah. i like gone from racing around parks in in south of england to racing for my country in this huge event in the middle of a city and all this so it, it just went awfully and I was like no I just want to go back to enjoying it there was never any pressures so it's kind of why I felt like that then
1: so then yeah I just want to comment that must have been a big jump because like you said it it starts out twice a week for fun for like leisure just to stay in shape and, and now all of a sudden you're you're world like you're you're training like you're competing for your country so like now you're you jumped so far so fast whereas if you look at other athletes like track and field cross country runners they kind of start early like when they're younger i want to say like middle school kind of high school they know they're gifted you know what i mean they know they're training so they're preparing for these meets and these events yeah they and all these events and stuff so then you're kind of thrown into the fire okay now you're representing you know great britain it's like okay like so like what was i guess the hardest part in and all that was it the pressure like what was i guess very the intimidating part of all that
2: yeah the, the intimidating bit was practically all of it because yeah. uh, it, it, it really had changed and and i guess you know you you look at kind of track and field as you say so many people are 20 21 22 uh, aiming for for teams and i and yep. you say I have been kind of knowing about it for for at least the last five six years yep. easily but i think you know, you look at anything from probably 10k marathon walks, you see guys peaking in, in late 20s, early 30s. And so I look at it now as, as a bit of a godsend that there wasn't that sort of pressure. And, and okay, it was a bit of a baptism of fire, really, mm-hmm. uh, those first couple of years. But but as I got the hang of it, almost racing internationally, yeah. traveling kind of media, um, the, the the new sort of what, what racing meant to it gone from a bit of fun to let's see what we could achieve. Um, and that, and that was kind of then really exciting because I was really on a, on a upward curve and, and almost every time I'd race, it would be a new breakthrough. It would, it'd be something different. And, and now sort of six, seven years of really enjoying it meant all this new pressure and things like that. They were new. Yeah, I wasn't already dealing with six, seven years worth of pressure and getting fed yeah. up of it. I was just getting excited and just growing into it. And so I think, yeah, I mean, if I look back now and think I've had 10 years kind of international, I don't know how I, whether I'd still be doing it if I'd had five, six years before that on top. Wow. Then talking half a lifetime of,
3: yeah.
0: that sort of
2: pressure. So for me, I, I see it as a bit of a, a, bit of a gift.
0: Wow. Yeah. That's a great mindset, um yeah, I think that people maybe that's true that people when they start young, they might get burned out, and yeah, fall out of love with the sport um pretty early, and then that affects like training and all that, um so that's great that you you look at it that way, and that you've kind of um I guess that path that you took was for the better yeah um so i want to quickly just backtrack a bit for race for people that don't know what race walking in is um and i'm like one of them around the, like the rules i guess um can you explain like what the difference is or like yeah. what are the rules around race walking
2: sure so so with race walking there's there's kind of two parts to the rule to make sure that it's class is walking rather than kind of the, the running action so with when you run you would Imagine you drive your knee, yeah. In, yeah, in front of you, and so to class it as walking is we have to land with a straight leg, so it completely eradicates that sort of powerful uh, upward movement yeah. that would give you that lift, that drive. Um, yeah. And the other, the other part to the rule is you have to maintain contact, maintain contact. You have to maintain <laughs> contact with the ground um, at all times. So I have one foot on the ground at all times. Oh. Now there's a bit of leeway here especially with modern tech and things like that you know whenever there's a big race like at olympics or something like that people use their tv remotes or pause it on laptop and say oh look i can see that lad with both feet off the ground so the yeah. rules do say that uh, it's down to the human eye so it's judged by judges on the race yeah. course wow. so that's just to allow it to be athletic basically as soon as you know if you start to really push that and break into a run and so you've got and clearly have both feet off the off the ground at the same time the judges will see it, pick up on it, and three yellow cards will end up with a red card, and you'll you'll get disqualified for that. Okay. Um, but that's why we kind of, if you ever see uh, a walk's event, it's always on a one k or a two k lap rather than like a long marathon course around the city. Yeah. That's so it can be judged. Um, mm. And yeah, it, it it kind of the the judging is is always quite not dramatic, but quite abrupt and, and people kind of, it, it adds, I think something to it that, that running, running a marathon doesn't have that jeopardy. Yeah.
1: yeah. Just uh just a comment. So do you, I guess when someone breaks, I guess, breaks the rules and gets a yellow, yellow card, um, yeah. do they, so you complete the race and then the judges say, you know, how does that work?
2: No. So it's the only event in the field that you can't, um, that you technically can't complete even if you kind of uh put in a an appeal so like if you're if you false start you technically uh, you can appeal it you can appeal the false start in a, in a hundred meters and they and you can run the race and then it's looked at afterwards
3: yeah but mm. with, with
2: um with the walks it, you are disqualified midway through the race on your mm. third yellow. so you could do 19 of the 20 kilometers If you oh. get your third yellow you will get showing the, the there's like a chief judge on the start finish line uh, and he will show you come out show you a red card and and,
1: and then your race later. is done like you just stop i just would done. hate that oh my has god that, has that ever happened to
0: you
2: yes quite spectacularly so <laughs> <Yeah>. um, <laughs> i've i've only had one disqualification in about seven years um oh, wow. but it was uh, probably the biggest race of my career. So, what uh, was it? it was the Olympics? A, n- no, thankfully, I'd had a brilliant Olympic Games in Rio in 2016, and I finished sixth there. Uh, yep. I was ranked about 27th, but ended up wow. sixth. That's awesome. Uh, new British record that day, and was just it was just everything just went to plan. You know, it was just a great season all round, and I just couldn't really believe it. Happy days, I, I led, man. I, I know, I, I, I led the race for. for 16 of the 20 kilometers but I think oh. in my head I was like I shouldn't be here I should be like <laughs> 10 places back <laughs> at least and even going into that last 5k I was like oh uh, the leaders they'll, they'll catch me but I might still be able to finish like 15. yeah and my mindset was so so amateur or, or kind of I didn't know what I was really capable of and I wondered back now whether if I'd had the confidence a bit more, would I've been able to get a medal? And so hopefully this well, the summer just gone. Tokyo was meant to happen. Um, yeah. yeah. We can we can we can change that, but next year. But anyway, so the year after Rio 20, 2017 was a home World Championships for us in London, um, and the walks course was in front of Buckingham Palace on the Mall. there, And I mean. Thousands of people were there. Tourists were there. Sport lovers were there, and and people who were like who are diehard racewalking fans. And so there's about ten of them. Uh, <laughs> but um, I've never seen a crowd like it. And uh, I, the home media had built me up quite quite a lot. And we we, was, we were the final day of competition, and GB hadn't performed very well in the medal table, so there was a lot of pressure on, uh, and there was a lot of talk over me. Potentially getting a medal, and so I was in the lead pack, and I was leading at halfway. Um, and then the following lap round, I'd gone from having no yellow cards. Oh no, I think I had one yellow card in the first half, and, and felt completely in control. To two kilometres later, getting disqualified in front of thousands upon thousands, of people. and I mean there were three or four people deep at the side of the racecourse screaming at me and it getting, they were leaning over in my face. There was so much support, but I think it just threw me beyond belief uh-huh. because I never kind of experienced anything to that level, especially for, for, for me, you know, it was so many people were there for me to support me off the back of the Olympics. And I'd set yeah. a couple of world records earlier that year. And it was a bit, it just, it just blew my mind. And so it, it's, it, it just threw me. And as I say, one disqualification in seven years and it, and it came on that day.
0: Wow. That's crazy.
1: <laughs> How long you left in the race? Sorry. Was it until, uh, until we just, and
2: then... we just started the second half. So it was still quite a way in, but I'd had, I basically had one really bad technical lap. Yeah, um, And um, we looked at the footage and we analyzed it afterwards with my coach. And he just said, even though you were staying kind of, at the front of the lead group you were like moving about in that pack so much so your stride would have been changing uh, you know and you just couldn't have been abiding with the rules at all times and you would have stood out in comparison to everybody else you probably yeah. was a bit calmer and just steadier i was moving around that lead pack so much because the adrenaline was just going through the roof mm-hmm. uh, and the judges well obviously it was clear as day because when you get a number of cards in such a short period of time, you're clearly yeah. um, clearly breaking the rules. And unfortunately for me, uh that's what happened.
0: Oh wow. <laughs> that's unfortunate, but uh you you yeah, you set a lot of world bests. Uh, when did you set the the world best for the one mile?
1: Yeah.
2: That was about six weeks before that race in two thousand seventeen. And that's
3: so awesome.
0: Wow. Yeah,
2: I mean, that's kind of, it, it, the build-up to that race was just in, insane. Like, coming off the Olympics and then, like, because of the race at the Olympics, the Diamond League organisers in the UK said, let's put on a race walk in the Diamond League. That never happened. So, you know, having Diamond League is the, the top sort of... Um, Uh, club competition I guess you'd call it club competition Mm -hmm. but individual competition you can get in athletics uh, and for some reason there's no hammer and there's no walk in it um, in any of the events around the world and so I wrote an email to them saying "God, can we put a walk in it and and I expected them to say no what are you talking about we don't want to do that and they turned around and said yes absolutely so at the London Olympic Stadium six weeks before we put on the first ever uh, walk in the Diamond League and we did a mile and they said, right, if we're going to put it on, you've got to do something decent. So we want you to target the world world record for for the one mile. And I I thought that's fast, but we I trained really well that summer, and and it all came together.
0: Wow, that's sick. How do you like? How do you train for for this kind of stuff? Good question. Because
2: uh,
1: yeah,
0: know, do you do run. Do you do running, or does that would that affect like your mindset? With that would the, have to the, the the training.
3: I feel like that would not affect it.
2: So like. I mean, it's re- the, the, the training is really similar to like, uh, I guess, probably like anywhere between like a 10K runner and a marathon runner. It's really like similar. So we do a lot of lot of base mileage, but it's just all, it's all walk. So I'm basically, I'm walking, I guess, 80% of it. I, I will do a couple of easy runs, maybe a week. This time of year when we're just getting started again with winter training, I might run two, three times a week. Cause it's just, it, you switch off down to think about technique. can just yeah. run wherever you want to run. Yeah. Um, and it's really nice and so um but kind of in mid-season where when we're at altitude or those sorts of big big blocks of training twice a day average probably about i try and average about half an marathon a day um walking at about eight minute miling five minute k's or faster um in the gym two or three times a, a week with core and strength work mm-hmm. and and yes, yeah, it, uh, we do track sessions like K reps or, or shorter or then the kind of the longer stuff. Some of the brutal sessions are like five by three K with a kilometer oh. in between each one. And it, uh, and at altitude or in like places like South Africa, where we get to train for the heat, it's, it's just brutal, but it gets you fit. Wow. Um, <laughs> and I
0: had a follow up question on that. So, I might have lost my train of thought training. (laughs) Um, Oh, how fast can you, how fast can you run? If you can walk (laughs) five minutes in a mile, like 10, 30, 3K, 18, 28, 5K. Like I can do 5K running in like probably 25 minutes, which is like, that's six and a half minutes faster. How fast can you run? (laughs) And have you like um, compared yourself to other like Olympic runners? It's like, if you can walk that fast, yeah, your legs yeah. are flying.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's like uh, everyone, uh, I get this question quite a lot. Have you considered running and that sort of thing? And, um, I, I, I'm a, I'm an all right runner. Like, uh, I'm definitely a, a fast runner. I've run a 16 minute, 5k off. No, no running training sort of thing. Wow, so that's really good. I mean, it, it is really good, but it's still like, a it's still two, three minutes off where the best, 5k runners yeah. out in the world. So, but I mean, I've always considered, I imagine, I wonder what I could do uh, if I turned to running, but I think it'd have to be probably 10k, half marathon, marathon sort of distances. I'm just, I just haven't got any sort of speed or or sort of pace that you need for, for 5k and, and below nowadays. So, um, but yeah, I mean, i am just bought, I, I'm naturally a really slim guy. So it's, it's I'm born to do endurance sport. Uh, and it comes quite naturally to me, but I've never really attempted to run anything of 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 any decent. But I'd like to run a marathon or or something after I retire. But mm. um, even though I run a little bit in training, you can't really turn your focus to it, and it will totally change kind of the muscles you're using. Uh, and and but I, I'm only probably got a few more years left in my career now, so uh, I might I might have a look at running a few longer races one day. That's
0: awesome. I was gonna ask, like, where do you see yourself in uh, five years from now, with like both race walking, like what accomplishments do you want to do, and maybe even running. What do you, where do you think you can go with that?
2: Well, like I said to you guys earlier, like, I never really dreamt this would be a, re- a reality. To be honest, mm-hmm. I never thought sport would be an option for a career. I, one thing I've learned is that within race walking, especially, I mean, in track and field anyway, it's hard to make a living and it's yeah. hard to like be a professional athlete, let alone in the bizarre world of race walking. So yeah. I've learned that I've kind of marketed myself quite well and, and I've been really lucky to to train full time for as long as I have. Um, and so really now uh, I've never ever set sort of any targets. I know that sounds silly. Of course I set targets, but I've never set any like limits wow, yeah. on myself Yeah. or yeah, exactly. I've never said, right, I, I want to achieve this. And if I don't, and then I've failed, because that's never what I've been about. So, you know, I've, I've, my top places have been sixth at the Olympics, seventh in the world. I would like to just kind of make that final step up now and get a medal somewhere over the next four years. I'd love yeah. to get to a third Olympics if Tokyo ever happens next yeah. year, and then Paris in, in three years after that. So that's kind of how I see my career going because I'm quite keen to kind of do do other things in life it it it's a full-time lifestyle it's not just a
3: yeah.
2: lifestyle you know you can't yeah. i'll be 34 by then i just want to go and do other things be a normal person <laughs> go to a bar and not feel guilty for having too much to drink or whatever you know <laughs> just just be 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 a normal person for a little while as well And and i'm sure to be honest as i say that bug inside me that running or uh, athlete bug will come back and, and I'll start doing something else. But um, yeah, where, wherever it goes next, if I achieve a medal, that'd be amazing. But uh, I'm going to start kind of building an off off track career soon.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. For the the Tokyo Olympics, what were your kind of thoughts when you heard the news? Yeah.
2: That? Oh, it was going because 2019 I'd had loads of, kind of niggling injury problems and things like that and we'd just built off uh that winter really really well so as i say, i would trained really well i'd been done loads of warm weather training and i hit march this year with back-to-back british records and i was like it's not bad for a 30 year old i'm like i'm still i've still got it yeah. um, and and yeah definitely those, those times were world leads as well and so i was just like it feels like it's all coming together perfectly for this yeah. summer so i was absolutely gutted i mean there's going to be people who are looking at it here who are like 22 23 who are like oh i could have done with 12 more months and they've got it yeah. and they might be in better shape for next year's olympics then there's going to be the guys who are 34 35 in those endurance events that just want to call it a day um and now have to go on 12 more months and yeah. might not have might not make it but they might have made tokyo so i feel like i'm in the middle of that so i'm all right i am alright i I hopefully can replicate what I did last year to get myself in that shape Hmm. in time for Tokyo, but you never know sports, uh, you know, a brutal game and and injuries or uh, aging illness, anything can happen. So I'm, I'm going to just focus on what I can control.
0: For sure. Yeah. Um, with the 2016 real Olympics, I want to kind of take back. It's always cool to hear like an Olympians, uh, experience there because like everyone watches it on tv yeah um and watches all the different events like what's it like being there and is i know there's like an
1: athlete's uh A center what's st- it kind of athletes like, uh village village, village yeah, that's village. what it, it is, is
0: uh, athletes village um yeah why don't you like run us through that how was your time there um it was in rio which was probably like super fun probably
1: beautiful
2: yeah it, it was, it was my first games and four years prior, we had the, the London Olympics and I came within a few seconds of qualifying for that. So for me, that was gutting to miss a home games. But um, yeah. yeah, Rio was just, it was just phenomenal. Like uh, the country was in a bit of a bad way when we when it was yeah. holding the Olympics. Mm. So that did take a shine off it. And I reckon if you had a bit of a bad Olympics as an athlete, it probably started to feel like a long old time away from home. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't you know, the home comforts weren't there really, and um uh, it was it was challenging. Uh, and someone said to me, you know, it's it's one of the most challenging kind of Olympics they had ever been to, and they'd been to like three or four games at that point because you know the athletes' village you're you're really well looked after regardless. So I you're really well looked after. Everyone wants to know everything about kind of their olympians i'm sure it's the same with with you guys like the country always here in britain they want to know everything under the sun about <laughs> about their their olympians and you can go from being an absolute nobody to a 15 minute or well, 15 minutes of fame just just off a kind of half decent performance let alone you yeah. win actually a medal so um it's it was just so exciting and and the athlete village is is crazy there's the amount of people and uh uh, towards the end, it just does turn into like a complete party zone. Sort of <laughs> yeah. I was gonna
1: ask you. About Once that. the event, one like I'm, oh, I'm picturing the guys that are the guys and girls that have the events done in like the first day. You know, like the earlier, like what's like the earlier events that like their medals are placed like yeah. the first week or whatever. Yeah. So yeah. when they're done, it's more so like, okay, right. like well, what to do next? Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah. Some some countries are really cool, and they they literally send their athletes home. They're like, oh, you can stay for two or three more days. But- what? you know if they need the beds so it costs a lot of money obviously oh, yeah. for each country
3: yeah to
2: send send their athletes and big teams and stuff like that and if they need the beds and they need the space for athletes coming in um because that's also it like I, I didn't turn up until when the athletics started three days before the mm. athletics started which was like day 10 or something so everyone always says oh how was the opening ceremony i was like i don't know i watched it on telly so oh. like yeah, i watched it with you guys so but we always get to go to the closing. So GB are good. They don't really send you home, which is nice. Um, well, unless you kind of get yourself in trouble or anything like that, but I didn't do that. So, <laughs> um,
1: just a no, quick, quick question. Um, I guess if it turns into a party, like what country party is the hardest?
2: Well, I like to say we do <laughs> uh, because we, uh, we are, our, our guys organize like they basically got this, blow up swimming pool and filled it with beer and so our our kind of staff did this and we're like this is amazing and like in our because gb sends such a big team we get pretty much an entire tower block to ourselves, and so the word got around that there was this tv party going on like there was beer pong and each floor you went up there was like it gets better happening yeah and there's things i can't talk about athlete code and that's uh but it's it was just great fun Uh, and and everyone's just like letting their hair down athletes who don't drink most of the year getting drunk far too quick <laughs> like, <yeah. laughs> um but then like other countries started coming in and i was like whoa this is so gonna get out of hand and that's where like our, the, our staff had to close the bar and stuff like this and we're like everyone's like booing and it was just <laughs> great but it was like as you can imagine uh, a load of kind of 18 to 33 year olds who have dedicated half their life to something uh, that's either gone really well or really badly, and just look, completely letting their hair down. And
1: yeah. Either way. Either you know, way, they're, they're, going they're going to the great friend party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That is sick. I always had a feeling. Like, I had a feeling they had to like party. You know, yeah. like there's so many athletes that after their event, they're like, okay, like what am I going to do now? Yeah, you know, a
0: different country. It's like a explore. Like yeah, it's actually. a va- it's a vacation.
2: Uh, I mean, I had, I was, as I said, I was first day of athletics. So I had about 10 days afterwards. I got to sightsee. I ended up proposing to my fiance just, uh, on Copacabana yeah. beach. Um, Congratulations. That blew, thank you. <laughs> but that then blew up at home as well. And we were on the, like daytime TV and this sort of thing. So it was just mad, but I had some awesome nights out. Uh, and yeah, it was just, just brilliant. I, I mean, there Brazilian army nearly had to have to take me home after I wasn't feeling too well in a bush. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Wait, so let's go back to the proposal. So first off, congrats. So how did, did you plan that? How did that, let's talk about the whole thing. I guess the day, the day of. did you, did, was that plan heading into the Olympics? That's what you were set in stone.
2: Yeah. So I had to get the right ring size and I had to make sure all of that sort of thing was in place. Mm -hmm. So I, I planned to do it at the Olympics at some point, the, um, the shop I went to were like, Oh yeah, you've got 10 weeks to bring it back. And I did the maths and I was like, damn, I'm away for 11 weeks. So if it's the wrong size or something, I'm not gonna be able to change it and it's going to cost me a fortune if it's wrong. So what I did is I went away training to altitude, the five weeks kind of out from the games and then or when we were due to fly then in london heathrow airport i made sure i was emailing the airport going back and forth making sure they had the right ring on the right size on the right day at the right time in the right terminal (laughs) so for me to fly to to rio and so that all went went smoothly thankfully and about five athletes just rocked up into this store at the airport and they're like, what's going on? And I'm like, yeah, I'm here to buy this ring. Uh, and so that was quite bizarre. And everyone was like, Oh, I'm so excited. You're going to propose and all this. And I'm like, yeah, just calm down. We've got an Olympics to do first. <laughs> um, and uh, so that's one thing I planned. I wasn't gonna do it on the race. Uh, cause I just didn't want it to, if I'd won a medal, I didn't want something to take away from that.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Um,
2: And i wanted it to be an individual kind of moment but something a memory for us both to share at the olympics Uh, Mm. so it wasn't just just about me really so
3: um
2: that's why i kind of wanted to do it so everything went well raced well and then it was kind of just timing the proposal so we went up christ the Redeemer, and i was like yeah i'm gonna do it up up the top of here but it was it was it was so busy that if i'd gone down on one knee i'd just probably got knocked over by a backpacker you know uh, so I was like, right, I'm not gonna do it here. So uh, we go home. The family go back to their hotel room, and I have to go back to the village, which were about an hour apart. So it's a bit of a nightmare getting around as well. Uber was a lifesaver in Rio. That's for sure. Wow. Um,
0: I'm, I'm so I don't want to cut you off, but was, no, I, I'm I'm uh, surprised that Uber is like so big in Rio. It's like it's hard to well, find well, it in like small cities in Canada. Yeah.
2: Yeah. What was brilliant was, I think they'd done it for the olympics. when When you open the app, all the cars, they come up with like little flags on top of them, so like oh, to know whether cool. you're what what language they speak as well. So it yeah. made it even better. So oh, um, cool. uh, yeah wonders of tech uh, that yeah. that really was a <laughs> lifesaver. So anyway, next day we just oh no, a couple of days later, we just went uh, went out for a dinner. my my family were due to fly home the next day. Uh, the Olympics had about I don't know five more days to go. So I thought, right, I've got to do it tonight. This, this, is it. So we had dinner with my. Oh no, we yeah, we had dinner with my family, then went off. Um, me and a couple of friends, and I said to them, look, I'm going to go and I'm going to propose in a minute. Um, can we? We're going to go on to Copacabana Beach, and I'll just say, oh, will you take a picture of us? And as you do that, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to get down on one down the knee, knee, and, propose, and you captured a moment.
1: That's awesome. Uh,
2: and that's what happened. And that's what I did, and. Thankfully said yes. So <laughs>
3: uh, that's amazing. Uh, but yeah,
2: it all blew up on social media and everything and it it just added something like it was just double special. Like so that, special. that ten days was was crazy.
0: That's awesome. Wow. wow. And you said you blew it blew up when when you got home. Um I know I saw you on like a BBC news. Was that was that like blow up? Did it um how do I like did it uh was huh? English
1: Matt. <laughs> English today.
0: Today, today man. I, I'm, I'm losing my words there. Um it was that was a phenomenal moment. So I'm speechless for you guys. <laughs> um when you got when you got back, you said it blew up on BBC News. Um the did you you came out on BBC News or prior to and like how was that moment like um and like coming out as the first British track and field athlete. How was that like for you and your fiance? Um, I just, just like run us through there.
2: Yeah. I mean, I had obviously uh, uh, as you, as you grow up and, and you have to come out to certain people. So first of all, like my friends, then when I was 21, I came out to my family because I met Harry. That was the reason I, I did that. And then what I learned quite well, what I learned, was that with the olympics around the corner in 2016 uh, like i said to you earlier like everybody wants to know everything about their olympians yeah. and you you could you could suddenly become very famous or known within mm-hmm. like 5 yeah. seconds really very so what i wanted to do was control control whether the media knew that or not uh, yeah. and i wanted to be able to say when kind of when that news broke and it wasn't like beforehand i i, I would I was not famous. I'm not famous now, but it, I like, we can
1: Google you. If you, if you, you type in your name Wikipedia on Google, stuff. yeah, you have Wikipedia and like multiple. <laughs> yeah. I, I yeah, I, I would consider you are quite famous.
0: We're reaching out to the
1: Toronto, Yeah, we're not. Yeah. yeah so that's, <laughs> it, that's a good point.
2: But, uh, Z, Z lists are famous. <laughs> <laughs> um, but beforehand, honestly, you know, I had no reason to do it, do it, but I wanted to kind of protect myself, protect Harry and, and my family and that sort of thing. Cause you know what the media is like. So yeah. I thought I spoke to my agent and said, let's, can we just do a blog post or something like that? And he's like, Sorry. just let me, let me look around and, and, and see what the situation is with this. And this was about yeah. uh, October. It was probably exactly five years ago, October 2015. Yeah. So about nine months before the Olympics. Um, and he said, Spoken with a colleague at the BBC, and she she wants to do a bit of a coming out piece. If you're up for it, and mm-hmm. I was like, it, this is escalating." And I was like, "Okay, it's fine." Uh, then it went from like a bit of an online video to uh, she worked also worked for a daytime a very, oh, kind of well known daytime breakfast TV show chat show sort of thing. They're like, "We want to do it on that, and we want to do it live," and I said, "No." I'm not doing it live. I'm not doing it live on national telly. No yeah. way. Um, I'll do a pre-record. Yeah. But this is completely blowing out of proportion. I'm I'm nobody. Like why is this? Yeah. Why is this happening? But what I learned so quickly after doing it was it was so intense and so it really was a fifteen minutes of of terrifying fame to be honest. <laughs> and and it, mostly positive. But yeah, sport is so far behind the rest of kind of modern society you know, yeah it, true. it became a big deal because because I, I i was the first in track and field and i was one of 12 team gb athletes at rio 2016 who was out of of i don't know i i think of the ten thousand athletes at rio 2016 there were 50 48 wow. lg uh, lgb uh, athletes at the games wow. and i was like it, my eyes have been open to, to kind of how backwards sport is especially you know it's not just the LGbt community racism right now sexism sport is just sport's so great it, it has no prejudice but it is one of the most prejudiced things in society as yeah, well do you know, know. What i mean sport sport itself doesn't judge it's down to how damn good you are how fast exactly, you are yeah. how far you can throw something or how well you can kick a ball yeah it shouldn't it shouldn't judge yet yeah, sport is, is the environment within sport that, that kind of holds it back a bit uh, and, and it's not very equal at all and and people have to hide who they are and that's what I learned quite quick. I got so many messages saying, thank you so much for doing this. I had kind of... Wow, that's awesome. People, that's awesome. You know, like, like more successful athletes as well messaging me saying, wow, I've always wanted to do this and, 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 and I've never been able to come out and, I, and I'm like, whoa, this is... This is Big sort of thing, so it was it was one of the best decisions I ever did. Um, I have no regret now, but, but yeah, but even five years on, things haven't changed that much, and so it's still a talking point.
3: Yeah, well,
0: that's like that's extremely inspirational, and I'm sure you're you're inspiring like a ton of
3: um, young well, athletes both too. you Said
0: like older athletes that might have been more successful, and even like yeah. younger athletes that look up to you and have like followed your journey. Um, and even that haven't followed your journey, like BBC news is probably like a crazy media outlet. So just seeing like someone in that space, um, even if it's not track and field, like is, is crazy. Um, so good for you. Um, I'm inspired. Um,
1: I just want to, I started to interrupt. I just want to ask, um, so it seems like when, when you did this and the article came out, there was a lot of positive, I guess, um, feedback coming from you from athletes, but was the entire, um, I guess running community was it were there people that weren't so I guess accepting and kind of didn't have the same way that certain athletes did like how was it was it always like extremely great for you were you like how was that I guess whole experience when it first news first came
2: out yeah I mean the great thing I think for track and field is it's so diverse okay, You've got, yeah. like everybody under there's an event for everyone like from mm-hmm. the shop putter, yeah, the sprinter, to sprinter to walk so so that kind of Goes in your favour, and and I feel like track and field is one of the most accepting sports, yeah, and most diverse. And so I was quite fortunate with that. I've spoken to other athletes who, who have had similar journeys and not had the same experiences. Had coaches or officials, you wow. know, be condescending or or yeah. not willing to work with them and that sort of thing. But they're they're, they're rare. And I mean, it as I say, I, I said like ninety percent of it was positive and almost 100% within the sport was but you know how the wonders of social media and things yeah. like that allow people to voice you know absolutely pointless opinions Seriously. Uh, and, and send messages that they would only say from from behind a screen and yeah. uh, and so for me again there there was a little bit of that there always is going to be and and i kind of uh, i've kind of grown up knowing that accepting it uh, but it certainly would affect other people a lot worse than yeah. probably affected me and so it's why kind of just that visibility is all I've ever done is live openly uh, that's what I've said to people and I guess just being visible the more people living their lives true and, and being visible that way will will kind of help everybody else uh, and and kind of move things forward and hopefully just show that you know this idiot who sends a few of these messages around trolls online. Yeah, their voice will just end up kind of disappearing completely. Yeah,
0: yeah, uh, yeah. That's awesome. That's I, I. That's something that I've kind of um, learned more is like just be who you are and like be like true to yourself and be like, um, who cares what other people think? Exactly. That's, that's the biggest, the biggest thing, thing that
1: I've just learned going up is that you're gonna know. Like the people that care about you, like love you, and they're no matter what you do, whether it's sports, your career path, everything like, you, who cares what people that don't care about you think? In yeah. the, the day, it doesn't matter. It, it's irrelevant. You know what I mean?
2: Exactly. Yeah. And people get so much more out of you, and you'll get so much more out, out of other people by, by being true to yourself and, and them. And, and, and that's why I really, and you'll see as well, you know, I, I think people who are accepting of themselves, perform better work better uh, you know, 100%. Ha- ha- have better lives it, i don't know it's coincidence or not i came out at the end of 2015 my career turned completely from 2016 oh, onwards
1: that's when <laughs> that if you look exactly, at your stats yeah. that is absolutely like every race is Post, just yeah,
0: 2015
1: all your records your 5k 3k one mile seventh euro championship six and then re- everything was after so i mean you
0: yeah just an on an incline that's that's wow that's a good that's a good (laughs) story that's That's a good
1: message yeah
0: um yeah and it goes for more than just uh like coming out more than just like being yourself like it goes for like if you want to like start your own business like people are going to hate on you for doing that if you're like um posting stories on like instagram of like something that you love like plants or something like it could be anything and we're oh, yeah. gonna hate on you for everything like there will be someone that will hate on you for everything you do like and at the end of the day like if you love it like it, it shouldn't matter what anyone else thinks um and the people that love you and and are accepting and do the same thing don't don't like hate on those other people um, so like if you start your own business and like someone's posting like plants, like that person that started their own business and got hate for for trying to do something new is not gonna hate on the person that's posting like the plants Understand. their yeah, their understanding. So the people that are more accepting their self are more accepting of others.
1: Um and I think sorry to interrupt, I also think like a really good like quote or I guess saying is if people aren't hating on you, then you're not doing enough, which is a big <laughs> quote. No, it's true though. Because, like, yeah, if people, like, are is. hating about they're not talking about you, you're not in the, like, in the news, I guess, like, then you're not anyone to talk about. So, if people aren't talking bad on you, you're not doing enough. So, that's, like, a quote that I think is true, too. Yeah. Wow.
0: And speaking of not doing enough, <laughs> I want to touch on the, you you said you were going to risk prison. Um, for standing (laughs) i don't know if this is a direct quote um but like risking prison in qatar was it because like the the i guess culture there was kind of like um against lgbt um in the 2019 championships
2: so that that wasn't a direct quote that was a direct headline that appeared at the end of 2018 a year before the world championships in doha in 2019 from a random journalist who turned up to one of these diamond league races where i just set a world best and like uh, loads of media and so i didn't think anything of these questions about next year's world chance and i just said to the kind of media guy for british athletics i said that was a bit of a weird one like who was he uh, like why are we talking about world chance oh, about 14 months before them yeah um didn't think anything of it. Monday morning rocks around, and in one of the one of the national newspapers in this country, back back um, page was uh, Team GB athlete Tom are going to risk imprisonment or something like that because I basically had said I'm not going to hide who I am in terms oh, okay. of uh, you know if somebody asks me walking down the street in Doha whether I have a fiance who's male you know when's that conversation ever going to come up I, I I really doubt it is but. <laughs> You know, all I said was, uh, I said there's a responsibility on the kind of organisers, you know, the the uh, governing bodies, uh, international governing bodies, who decide where these competitions are going to be held, on kind of whether they have a responsibility to whether it's safe to to take these championships to these places. And as we've seen over the, over the last few years, there's been a lot of corruption and and these yeah. sorts of things. That's taking sports to places in the world that hasn't got haven't got the cleanest of, of records. Not that every country or any country does but there's some performing a lot better than than others in these things Mm -hmm. and and so this journalist was just out for a story but at the same time i was i was like yeah i'm not gonna hide who i am if if um
0: as you shouldn't yeah seriously yeah
2: you know it's down to the sport for for taking us there and ensuring our safety and if anything happened you know i would uh I, i spoke with the foreign office British athletics we did we did cover our backs before going in after this article was raised because it I got a lot of hate from that part of the world as well because it looked like I was disrespecting their culture Mm. where you know I wasn't doing that whatsoever I was going to go there and respect their culture completely as it did There didn't cause any scenes wasn't going to run down the road with a rainbow flag or anything like that but it just it just it was a good talking point, it, but it was had, had nothing to do with, with me. Uh, I tried to deflect it, but he just spun the story.
0: Wow. Typical media, media. Situation. <laughs>
2: but as you said, if you're not being talked about, and if you're not in the news, then, exactly.
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Awesome. Um, wow. That was a phenomenal, I don't even know how long it's been. Uh,
1: 57. I think, 50? I think
0: awesome. 57. Okay. Okay. So we're gonna, we do this thing at the end of our podcast. Oh, I love this. Where we have like a speed round. Um, we kind of took of what you gave us in your notes and kind of formulated some questions, questions. around there. Um, so we'll go back and forth with answering, with asking you questions. Just give us
1: first um, thing comes to mind. First just thing bam. Comes to mind.
0: The last one's a little longer. Yeah, um, and then we'll, we'll end it off. But uh, we'll start off now. Okay. Um, favorite movie?
2: Uh, where the Millers.
1: Favorite TV show? Good answer, by the way. Uh, Oh,
2: favorite TV show, uh, Friends.
1: Good
0: one. Okay. What is your favorite part about gardening? (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
2: The plant not dying after planting it.
1: Awesome. (laughs) If you could travel to one more place in the world, where would it be?
2: Uh, Brisbane, Australia. Good answer.
0: Um, (laughs) Would you tattoo the Olympic symbol on your chest for the olympics the tokyo olympics to come back this year
2: so if i tattooed the the, the, olympics, on my chest, the
0: olympic symbol right on the chest. this
2: year yeah so if you'd ask me in march yes <laughs>
0: um, <laughs> Not <neither. laughs> now. biggest fear
2: biggest fear uh being alone
0: okay. <sighs> if you could be one thing other than an olympic race walker Good what on. would it be
2: uh oh Formula One driver.
1: Nice. Dinner with one person, dead or alive, and why? So this is kind of the thing if you have dinner with one person in the world, dead or alive, who would it be and why?
2: Freddie Mercury, because he hated the media and interviews and that sort of thing, and just was able to absolutely outperform anyone.
1: That's awesome. Awesome. Answers. And that, that
2: reflects you a lot. Yeah. Which is <laughs> I love the media in. a little bit. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um awesome well thank you so much for for joining Seriously. us on this podcast uh we'd love to like stay in touch mm-hmm. and follow your journey um if you guys want to so i'm talking to the viewers now if you guys <laughs> want to follow tom um you can find him on www.tombosworth.com pretty sure your instagram is tom Bossworth as well um do you have any like youtube or anything else or anything anything else you, you want to promote
1: maybe a sponsorship anything you want to promote about you
2: no no that's that's great guys yeah, yeah i'm across literally every social media platform going at at, at tom bosworth and uh, and yeah no uh, come say hi
1: awesome awesome thank, thank you, so, you much, so much tom it's been a pleasure
2: thank you bro. thanks for having me on thank you awesome
1: have a great one have a good one